This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I'm live now, anyway. Of course, we've got snow here at the moment. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. A much better introduction there. We've got snow at the moment. We should have that in the start of every podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over... Um, last few weeks at Manchester United. If you're watching live on YouTube, if you can subscribe and get your comments in and like the video. If you're watching the replay, say hello, comment, we do reply. If you're watching live on Twitter now, um, as a few of you are, feel free to get your comments in. Um, they're coming up on the feed these days, so I, I'm able to get you in the conversation. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, if you can subscribe, and leave a, a positive review if you can on the platform you're listening on. Uh, Paul, it's been a few weeks, top topsy turvy time for Manchester United. But did you have a more settled Christmas period? Um, well, to be honest, really, there could have been days and days of thunderstorms, and it would have been better than what it's been for Manchester United. But no, it's fine. Yeah, still kind of work, still with a quite a bit of football, but it was the only bit of football that was missing, way really. Yeah, yeah, we uh, took a little bit of a break. Um, do you um, do you find out if you're on Santa's good list or his naughty list? No, I just found out that I'm getting older, so your presents seem to cut down when you get older. Yeah. Vouchers are key now, aren't they? Well, you know, um, I, I'm entering my era of warm socks and also being grateful for warm socks, which... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's what it is. Um, no Dave with us today. Um, hopefully we'll be back next week. Um, thinking of you, Dave. Well, um, morning, John. Hope you're well. He says morning, Wayne. Morning, Paul. Um, yeah, fifty of you watching now, uh, which is good because we don't normally get the live numbers on here. But if, so if you are watching through Twitter, if you can leave a comment under, and I'll try and get you in a conversation. Um, Yes, I, I did say, Paul, rather than talk about the individual games, we'll talk about um, Eric Ten Hag and his position at the moment. Um, <coughs> sort of like a wider conversation about him, really. And, you know, we've had the takeover, and you might even say that the, the strategic review has saved him in a way, or at least taken some of the attention away. Because the pressure, not from the press, obviously, because the pressure was there, it was so great. 
But um, I think a few of us who understood the club's financial position a, a little bit greater than that is that when things are were held in the strategic review, that it wouldn't have made much sense to be dispensing with a manager that when he was going to cost fifteen million pound at least to re- relieve him of his contract and um, his impl- his um, assistants and his team around him, and then obviously the cost of acquiring a new manager. It wasn't something that the, the club had really accounted for, especially when you look at the money that they were. Um, Scrabbling around to get Amrabat in the um, in the in the summer, but they, you know, they persevered with the manager. Um, there's a lot of clarity there. We'll talk about Ratcliffe in a, in a little while, but with, with Ten Hag, as far as he's concerned, look, I mean, you know, I, I, you and I, Paul, are always people who will defend the manager. Generally, I mean, depending on who, who it is, obviously Jose Mourinho was a different kettle of fish, but Ole, we sort of defended him right to the end we could see there was a point of no returning there don't get me wrong i think we both knew that that game was the the liverpool game and we lost five nil but we persevered um it's difficult to know if we've reached that moment with ten hog i mean i i I will admit that and we've had this conversation before on the podcast that when we were three nil down to bournemouth and they scored the goal and it was disallowed really a flag because he I, I was thinking you don't survive losing four nil at home to Bournemouth. Like you can't do that. Manchester United can't do that. Um but three nil apparently you can. Um and he did. Um you know three nil and four nil but they are quite significant in the difference. Uh, but the point is Paul that credit from re- winning that League Cup back in February and getting to the Champions League as he as he did. And imposing an identity on the side which he did and we have still seen that at some points this season but obviously a lot of it has disintegrated we've now reached a point in the season where all of that credit seems to have gone even you know i would i would say that you know we don't expect to win a trophy we'll be talking about the fa cup um on this podcast we don't expect champions league qualification either really i don't as a supporter but what i am invested in is identity it wasn't so long ago on this podcast where you and Dave were making the point where Tenog might have woke because he didn't feel like he was being supported enough, and now he doesn't feel like he's got that kind of leverage in there. Um, what, what do you make of Tenog's position, and what do you think now looks for the rest of the season like a successful season for United and for Ten, well, most pointedly for for Ten Hag? Well, I'm still. I still want him to be given a proper chance. Like, well, I don't think any manager's really had a good go at this job. I should say the job of managing Manchester United because there's just been been too many hurdles in front of them, and some you managed to jump over a few, and all of a sudden, as you think you've cleared it, you're looking for the hurdles to get smaller and smaller. They virtually virtually become the hurdles that you see at Cheltenham every February, March. They get just bigger and bigger and more dangerous. And I think Ten Hag is that is in that position this moment in time. There's still no guarantee, even with what's gone on off the field, that he's going to be able to get to get to where he wants. Because I think they have to still look at that. Doing anything in January is out the window. <clears throat> if that, if that is, you know, we get all the names all thrown up, but you have to say is that not a lot's going to happen. It's, you know, you look at it. There's more. There's more talk about who's leaving, and it's not about about them as a player, it's about how much they're earning, which, is, which isn't a good sign really at all, but that's what it's going to be about. Um, but he's, he has done a few things which 
has alienated a lot of supporters. I think if it had been any other manager that had done what he's done, they'd be calling for him strongly. I think there's obviously a small few, but they're not understanding the reasons why it doesn't make sense to get rid of him. And, and that's what it boils down to. It does not make sense to get rid of him because there's no one out there to get him. You talk about the financial side of it. There is no one out there who can improve it at this, in, this moment in time. Yes, they, they, they mostly get that initial burst, which you see all the time, which in theory we should all laugh at as football people, as football fans, because everyone knows it's coming in a certain way of a new manager. And that's the moment then you should actually question the players. But they don't get questioned. If they do, people suddenly <coughs> get told off they can't do it. And so it seems to be this when the steel around players of today really when you can't have a go on because you're affecting their confidence and their mental health and that and when as far as I look at it, you're doing the job. Um, you want to do it, you're supposed to love it, go out there and go and show everybody how much you love it. And that's all that needs to be done with Manchester United at this moment in time is players to show how much they love playing football and more importantly love playing for that football club because they should actually be adoring that moment of wearing that of wearing that jersey every single day. So Ten Hag now, as far as I'm concerned, has to be able to do this job until the end of the season. It should be allowed a proper go in the window. But again we're, we're talking finances way. What's going to happen financially because because as much as and maybe I'm going to this too early but as much as the new person coming is coming in, there isn't a great deal of money there for him to work with. It is about, you know, sorting out, getting rid of the players who shouldn't be there. But the problem is, I think, for Ten Hag to do anything, he's going to have to maybe look at what, what certain players are earning and then see what he can recruit, recruit back, I should say, yeah. from from what they're earning to be able to use to bring in players and, and players are not going to walk away because they, they know that they're not going to get anywhere near what they're getting now at another club. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of um, tough tough um, wiggle room in there for United. Patrick says, Happy New Year. We were just having a conversation before, Patrick. I'm, I'm really sorry about this, but it's 8th of January and the cutoff, I think, is 7th. Um, You've got a weak statute of limitations. I don't know. I'm wishing you a happy new year as well. I'm only joking. Um, we keep wishing everyone a happy new year until until the cows come home, whenever that is. Um, but you um, you make a good point there about the United's position or Ten Hag's position in terms of what he can and can't do in January. Um, I think a lot of it is dependent. I, I, I can't pretend that I'm an expert on it, but there's obviously some, well, a lot of implications with FFP. I think United in this window would be very reluctant indeed to try and um, to try and push any buttons with it, with that, considering the outstanding case with City and the severity of the punishment that went to Everton. Um, you know, United's issues are compounded by the the outstanding fees on players like Casemiro and Anthony, and you would, you know, I, I, the the debt that's attached to the club becomes an inconsequential issue, really. But the um, the transfer debt does um, impact on what the club are able to do 
in the transfer um, scenario. I mean, they terminated the loan of Regalon, which made a lot of sense because, I mean, it's just part of this process of um, investing in players who really brought very little to the club. And, you know, there's nothing now in hindsight, now he's gone back, that made me think that it wasn't worth giving Fernandez a chance. I know a lot of people came at me with this, you know, saying, oh, Fernandez was lightweight at Preston, but yeah, I would have rather given him the five or six games which Regalon ended up with just to see, you know, if he was out of out of his depth because there's a lad with talent there. And what we saw with Regalon was he was all right going forward. He wasn't particularly brilliant. We don't, you know, we're looking at a lower level Alex Tellers, and that's um, that tells you that we're in a struggle. Just yeah, just a few words. Lightweight at Preston. It's completely different to playing in the top division. Yeah, yeah I, I I know that. I know what you're saying because, like, you know, there's being accused of not being able to handle rough and tough challenges in the championship is a completely different kind of thing. There's there's pro, first of all, there's less contact uh, allowed as you go up the divisions, and the the camera scrutiny and replays becomes um, more severe the, the more that you go up the divisions. But I, I'm with you with that. I, I'm completely with you with that. He, he could be fairly robust at Preston and then turn out to be a world beater at United because of like a, a, sl a slight increase in um, quality around him, but also the you know the, the that attention on physical um, contacts and everything like that. I would have much rather have him being given that sort of like I don't know how many games it was in the end, but six to ten games that Regalon got. Because we all saw that he was out of his depth. We were all asking the same questions. And what you're asking questions then of motivation for these younger players. And we saw how, how, we've seen how good Cobby's come in and he's done well. We've seen how good, um, well, even Dangor in his limited appearances, Garnacho obviously now finding his feet. Um, obviously, he's inconsistent, but there's so much quality in there that you want to see it persevered with. Um, and and that, that's where we are. I mean, in terms of, Transfers a bit because the thing is still being ratified as well by the board uh, by the Premier League. The 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 investment it's not likely that we will see any capital injection from Ratcliffe. He's unable to do that, so there's a lot of sort of moving pieces. You know, then we've got the other question of whether or not we trigger the option on Amrabat's loan. But I mean, that's a question for the end of the season, thank heavens, because I don't think um, anyone will be answering that one in the affirmative in the short term. And again, it's asking the question of what what we gain by keeping him around, um, and, and what we lose in that motivation for the younger players because he's thankfully not proven to be a roadblock for for Manu, but he's just filling squad space then, isn't he? If he's not doing the role that Manu was there for, um, but that that's another thing, Paul, isn't it? It's a big five months for these players now. I mean, I think the one thing that most of us want to see, and this just goes does go cap in hand with the manager in a way that. We've got a likelihood of it being one week, one game a week for the rest of the season. We don't want to see players who have been around the squad who we know that aren't going to have a long-term future at the squad. We don't want to see these players in the squad anymore because it's going to send the wrong message. Like, like everyone was frustrated when Martial played against Bournemouth because he was kind of like, "What? Why are we back here again?" And it's more a case of now thinking the manager's not learning his lessons. So. Um, what do you want to see in terms of squad composition for the rest of the season? I just, I 
obviously I just want to see what you are saying. I just want to see players who who want to play, want to be there to prove a point. Players who are trying to earn the right to get in the team regularly. That's what I'd like to see between now and the end of the season. I, <clears throat> I personally don't want to see Martial start another game. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's talk of him going, but is he going to go now or is he going to wait to the end of the season? Um, I personally don't want to see Scott McTominay playing because I just don't, <clears throat> I just don't see where it's going. It keeps going. It's just keeps going back again and trying to reignite it. And I just think in certain ways, Ten Hag has got to stop doing that. He really has to stop doing that because it is, it just isn't going to work. Can I just jump in on that point? Because it's an excellent point. McTominay and Maguire were two players who we talked about in the summer as moving on. In, in an absurd way, because of the injury crisis, those two players, really their stock's higher now than what it was in the summer. This should be the opportune time to look to move them on, right? This should be that opportune time, right? But now we're talking about them. Like, you know, other people aren't talking about them in terms of transfer rumours. We are talking, they're like being talked about in terms of being around for the rest of the season. But this does seem like the moment, doesn't it? To sort of say, all right, you've done well in this three or four month period, better than what we hoped, but we can still see the limitations. We still see it's time for you to move on. This is a good time for United to cash in on those kind of assets. Oh, I mean, yeah, what you're saying, you are right. Um, Harry Maguire suddenly getting this injury, I don't know where it's come from, it's kind of all of a sudden everyone's talking about, trying to talk about him being missed. He gets that player of the month, and a lot of people have asked that question, where that one's suddenly come from. Um, so he's lifted himself, but for those two players... You don't step forward as Manchester United. You, you really, really don't step forward. And when those two players were being mentioned for West Ham, there was a lot of West Ham fans who were kind of, you know, they, they weren't really interested. They certainly weren't interested in Scott McTominay because they said they've got, they've got enough problems with um, Sojek, let alone, let alone Scott McTominay in there. And we've seen that Scott has come in. Yes, the two goals against Brentford. That's him just getting on the end of things, just running forward and getting on the end of things. But when he was asked, when he was brought on the sub against Nottingham Forest, then it was like going back in time and seeing when Manchester United were trying to get him to be that kind of last man in midfield, that central, you know, that midfield player who sit a little bit deeper and hold a bit. Yeah. He just hasn't, he hasn't got that. It's yeah. something that I think in certain ways you're born with. You can coach and coach in football, but you still need natural ability. And, yeah. and we've seen that already that in certain ways, Scott is manufactured in a certain way to play in a certain style. And it isn't to hold and be patient, to see things, to sense. He hasn't got that in his makeup. His makeup is, he sees the ball going forward. His idea then is to run and get into the box and cause mayhem. And that, and that is his ultimate strength, and that's what Scotland do. Scotland have sussed it. I should, I should say, Steve Clark has sussed it a lot quicker than other, other Manchester United managers knowing the player's strength. Yeah. yeah, and that's, what, and, that's, and that's what he's gone and done. Harry Maguire is one that's 
knows how to get around situations to cover up his, his weaknesses. And, and United, in my opinion, went again another player they paid far, far too much for. If it was 50% of the price in which he, at the most, at the most should have been, then maybe it might be different. But him coming at that price straight away just put everyone, everyone just went, Ooh, wow. And even then when he has played, he's a liability because Manchester United have to sit deep. Everything's slow from the back. The game against Nottingham Forest, I was watching Varane and I'm looking at the goalkeeper, Anana. Anana is a goalkeeping version of Harry Maguire. Everything is dead slow. When he goes to his feet, oh, he's great playing from the back. Playing at two miles an hour, he could actually go and get Beckenbauer to go and play now. He could go and do it. Even at, he, he could go and do it now. It'd be that easy for him to go and do it. But he's so slow. And I saw Varane doing that with his arms. He wanted to try and get a tempo going, which is Manchester United's way. Playing yeah. football to play at high, top sides play at high tempo when they get the ball. He wasn't doing it at the goalkeeper. That's Harry Maguire from the back. So that's two players where you've you said at the start of this conversation that they have actually now put themselves in a position of being worth something now. Yeah. And I just think they've got you've got to go and take it. Can it be a little bit more than what it was before? Hopefully. Does it still mean losing something? Well yes, because you're never gonna get back that Harry Maguire what you paid for him. Yeah. He's not the problem is he's not gonna walk away because he's not gonna feel he's gonna feel humiliated if he just walks away, you know, a little bit cap in hand to try and reignite his club career. And if he wants to carry on playing for his country, I think he's gonna want he's gonna need regular football somewhere where he's gonna be loved. Because there actually is a better left sided defender in the Premier League than him who is English. But while that player is playing for a club and not a top club and it's going to be difficult for him to get past what Gareth Southgate is seeing is loyalty with a player where loyalty and sentiment could affect him badly in this next tournament. Yeah, it's a lot of many moving pieces, really, especially, like you said, an international tournament moving up and international chances. Um, a good few comments coming in here. Um, Johnny, um, Johnny, John says, um, Ten Hag is a tricky one. I, I would say the Bournemouth loss worried me, and of course, compounded by the Forest defeat, it does feel like the end of '89 under Fergie. Just hope he can have, have a happy ending like that. Um, he doesn't know about much up. If that equivalent is right, then that means Paul Parker will be signing for us in 18 months. Um, <laughs> books back out. Uh, Reese, good morning, mate. I'll be doing well. Long time. Um, Johnny Crowther. Says Morgan Gibbs White in the pre-match huddle versus United said they don't want to be here. Sums up our, our club. No, I, I, do you know what? Maybe, but I mean, we give other teams too much credit. I, I think sometimes like Forest weren't good against us. Like West Ham until they scored, they weren't good against us. Like they they were emboldened by the fact that we were flat. They were expecting us to be a lot um, more spirited than what we were considering the results we had going into those games, and that's what the massive disappointment was, was that we were so flat that Ten, uh, that Ten Hag had changed the system slightly. In both of those games, in both of the away games, like we didn't have, we should have played two older midfielders at West Ham. We should have probably done the same, helped Menu out against Forrest. I know it was com impacted by the um, Hoyland injury, but I don't, I don't want to go over the individual results here, but um, that... I, 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 
I agree, like, in terms of, like, there are bad things that some the club up at the moment in terms of the performances, but I didn't, it's not the... One of the biggest things is that opponents aren't having to play particularly well to beat the Bournemouth. Didn't have to play well to beat as by three at Old Trafford. Bournemouth, Bournemouth didn't have to play particularly well to win by three goals at Old Trafford. These are the alarm bells that should be ringing, um, and they might be ringing with the manager. They might be ringing with other people around the club, and they certainly are. Are they ringing enough with the players? No, they can't be because there are standards. To which you don't plummet if you know if you're a Manchester United player because you should like every Manchester United player has got talent, even the ones with debatable ones. We talked about Maguire and McTominay where they fit in. They've been brought to Old Trafford because they've got talent. Obviously, you've seen disparity in results over this last month, in particular. But this last month is a microcosm of the last ten years. This last month, I'm talking about not January. So obviously, we've we we haven't even played in the. In 2024, yeah, still unbeaten, which is, uh, you know me, always an optimist. Um, but over the last six weeks, you've seen a microcosm of United over the last 10 years where the, the results where we've been beaten and beaten heavily are, are a result of attitude. They're a result of attitude. You know, and like Johnny says, yeah, that's my point. Wait, no fight. Yeah, that's the thing that we've seen because, at, you know, capability is there. But the legs don't seem to be. Um, Patrick says, um, agree with Mr. Park. Mr. Parker, there you go. We have to start um, formalizing the way that I talk to Paul, like like he's my pal. Mr. Parker, which is fair enough, by the way. Um, keeping and starting Maguire and McTominay is harming Eric Tenog. Whatever their form this season looks like, it takes us three steps backwards. Yeah, I, I mean, period we can understand why they were brought into the side because of injuries um you hope for a pl better plan b that there's something being made there in the background and there hasn't been which is a concern with the players coming in back from injury i'm talking about casemiro and, and martinez i don't want to be saying oh these are like new signings you hope that something from last season the good part of last season like january february that we see a lot of that back in the side over the next four or five months. Um, and there's time to do it. There's time to do it um, because all of these players are coming back. Um, time to find, find different answers to the same old questions. Um, that's a question that Ten Hag has got to face. Um, a different person in Old Trafford, we'll talk about Jim Ratcliffe for a little moment, Paul, was confirmed on Christmas Eve that it's 25% uh, um, share holding in United is being um, it's been accepted by the club. It's been ratified by the Premier League, as I said earlier. Um, it shouldn't seem to be too much of an issue, um, considering that it meets all it looks to meet all the standards of, of the Premier League. Um, it shouldn't seem to be too complicated. United do then appear to have some kind of clarity, some kind of direction. There's a two hundred million dollar investment another 100 million dollars guaranteed before the end of the calendar year over the the next few months you would imagine there's some form of communication as to the direction of that investment it doesn't seem connected to transfers or ffp but um, the club's operations as a whole it should um, help with ffp um you know everyone 
should be happy by the fact that there's outside investment coming in. It's something that the club haven't seen for nearly a century. Um, a new partial owner coming in and investing sizable chunks of money into the club. Um, this is um, generally good news. It also brings to an end this period of 13 or 14 months of instability since they launched the strategic review. Um, better communication with supporters from the off, better communication with staff. They were on the ground, Old Trafford, um, Jim Ratcliffe, 71. So you would imagine everything associated with this is going to be a vanity project. Um, he wants to be seen as, a, you know, he's not even full owner of the club. He knows that, that if that does happen, it's going to be another 18 months, by which time it'll be nearly 73. Two years of life at any period of time isn't something you can take for granted. So he's going to be wanting to, in the years that he's got left, be seen as the person who restored United to their former glories, um, which, you know, nobody likes getting old, but for Manchester United supporters, that does bring some kind of optimism over what we should perceive he wants to do over the next five or six years. Um Paul, is there, you know, do you see, are you quite happy with what you've seen here? I mean, obviously, there's been a long out, long drawn out process. It's not quite the clean cut of, you know, outside investment coming in, like in the form of the Qatari um, takeover. But this is what Manchester United have got. He's a United fan. He understands the club. Um, that's different to running it, it's different to making the difficult decisions that come within it. And obviously, there's no guarantee that all any of those decisions will be right. Um, but do you feel do you feel optimistic by the recent news of the club? Um, not really, to be perfectly honest, Wayne. It doesn't grab me. I mean, there's a I suppose everyone's thinking it's just gonna happen. He's gonna be throwing throwing money in and doing doing everything that goes with it. But it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna work out that way. I don't think it's um it, it, it just Still don't think he's putting 25%. They've never allowed, well, not because they've never allowed, people have never been able to stop them doing whatever they've wanted, really. And having 25% doesn't allow him to really stop anything. Is, is it actually isolated to the fact of that they can't get involved in anything sporting regarding Manchester United? I still think not, because it's still. People who are going to come in, come into the club, players, I mean, and they're going to want a say in that, or maybe a financial, financially something from it. People going out, there's still a lot of things, and, and I think there's a vast majority of fans who just really want. Picture the scene all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. 
Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. 100% now. It doesn't, you know, yes, you can mention his name, but there's a, there's still a, a great big sign above his name. Yeah. You know, so um, that's, that's, that's the problem. And that's, that is the ongoing problem. That is still going to be a problem to maybe going out and getting the big players, the ones who are going to, not, not because financially is going to be hard to get, but it's going to be convincing their agents or whoever's looking after them that the club's in a good you know, is in a good position now. It's not going to be any of the issues that have been going on, going on for over ten years. All, all that's gone now. It's a, it's a new era. That's what you want to say to someone who's going to sign for the club, but you can't because you know there's, there's only like a. It's only virtually a business manager at the moment, and that business manager is is the um is Radcliffe. He's just the business. He's just the business manager. He's still got the name above him, which doesn't hold well or bode well, I should say, with any Manchester United fan. Um, that's that's the problem. So I still don't. I still see. I still see as the saying goes, troubles ahead. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to eat humble pie. I'm willing to do everything if I if I'm wrong, anything if I'm wrong. But just to see Manchester United compete again is an absolute bonus. Yeah. The trophy, because that, that that will take you forwards. You've got something to go with then. In today's football, things are changing a lot quicker than what they were during my time. You know, you're not going to be able to go and do anything in, in that way during my time. Well, you can if you. If you keep throwing loads and loads of money at it and cut corners, you can do it, as we've seen. But to go and do it by the book, it's very, very difficult. And I want United to be given that chance and to be able to compete. But I think that's the best. It's, I think that's the best it's going to be is being able to compete. Yeah. The best I believe that United can get to waiver. I'm not sure if they can in the in the, in the, in the situation they're going to go into. Is that there'll be a lot of new age Manchester United fans who never knew or don't really, not really interested in what United were about in the, in the 90s and the um, early 2000s. They're not bothered, only bothered about now, and they're willing to accept anything, and they will see this as being great. There's going to be a load of money coming in, but when you're talking about a ground that definitely needs a refurb, I'm not. Fussed about the training ground, you bring a player in into the right atmosphere of something successful, they're not bothered about, you know, this all this kind of singing and dancing, tra- you know, training grounds. All they're bothered about is what the team's going to achieve. So, training ground, not a problem. The ground, I know it needs a change because we know there's too many knocks and crannies in there. The ground, especially the South Stand, needs opening up now, internally, totally yeah. opening up. But that's, I mean, that's, that's been deemed as a priority. So where does it come in with players? And they're the ones that everything comes through. What happens on the pitches? How you set a football club? Yeah. No, um, I, th- I think that's fair. You know, I'm, I'm optimistic because it feels like it's um, change of wind. But the point is really ultimately that we will only really know that sense of direction within 18 months. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to know it over three or four weeks. Um, and really, not even six months. You need 
just with the with any manager, you need to give um, that direction time. Uh, but we, we'll see. We'll see. We're going to be here to comment on it either way. Um, a quick question from Patrick before we move on to Wigan and Spurs. He says, a question for you both. I'm scratching my head at our inability to keep meaningful possession of the ball. I'm not talking about the slow sideways passing between our centre-backs. Why is this happening? Yeah, it is an interesting thing. I, I, I do... Um, um, he's got another question. I'll, I'll come to that in a little bit. Um, sorry, Patrick, just deal with this one first because it's a great question. Um, it's a, a frustrating thing to see United um, in a, unable to really sort of dominate possession of the ball. Um, and you do see them <coughs> quite often with, you know, over 50%, you know, 60% sometimes against the smaller sides. But it is about meaningful possession. It's about what you're actually doing, <coughs> penetrating and stuff like that. Um I don't know. I think the idea might be that um, you have not enough. Um, just one second, while I there's not enough complementary talents within the side, and I think you get to that point when you have got a squad that's been built by different managers and there's different talent levels, different um, ideals what those players have come in. So I'm not giving an excuse to the manager. I'm talking about the complication of a squad direction where certain players aren't built to keep hold of the ball or they just don't have the qualities like you were talking earlier about Scott McTominay. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's been tried in that defensive midfield role for nearly four and a half, five years, really. And he, anyone can see that he's not, um, and he's given it a fair go. He hasn't complained about it, but he's not built to screen a defence. Um, he doesn't have those um, miserly capabilities that you need from um, a player in that kind of role. He doesn't have the economy of position, uh, possession. But this is what you, you talk about, really, Patrick, is that economy of possession. And it's not always about having the ball, it's about using it smartly. And United don't seem to do either. You know, even when they've got lots of the ball, even when they don't have lots of the ball. Under Oli, they were quite good at doing that, you know, using when they had little of the ball, they were quite good at being you know, economic with it. We don't seem to do that either way with the moment. And I do, I do personally believe it's probably more down to the disparity in certain qualities and complementary talents between, you know, like you don't have two players who, who seem to have been bought to play alongside each other. You know, like we've had uh, Wambasaka next to Varane, next to Lindelof. Uh, we've had Martinez, Maguire, Shaw, Dallow on that side, Malassia, uh, Regalon, all these players who they've been brought in over different periods where it doesn't seem like, all right, we want, we want a long-term vision for what we want to do as a team. But all of the complementary talents, you know, like you, you wouldn't want to leave Maguire at sea and, and things like that. All of those things have to be taken into consideration when you're building partnerships. And I think that that probably does come into our our inability to make progressive passing moves up and down the pitch because a lot of those players don't look like they've got the requisite talents to play alongside each other. Um, is that simplifying it, Paul? Um, is there something deeper there? No, I think, that's, I think that's about it, really. And, you know, you get the nail on the head when you've got players who have been signed by different managers to play in a different way or based on what they can do. And I think Ten Hag would like to be a little bit more possession-based. But I still think he likes to counter-attack as well. And, and it's always been a United strength. It's always been 
always been even you know and I remember that's obviously so blading it with a goalkeeper could throw a football like people see a harpoon kind of come out of the cannon. Um but and then he kind of carried on. Ollie lived off of it playing that way. You know, it, it worked so well for him playing that character stepping away, especially away from home. But it comes to the point now that every now and again you do need to keep the ball in today's game. At all levels, all levels are doing it now, they want to do it. It's about the five margins of when you overdo it. You know, if United pass it too much, given the cult the players have got at the moment, they've got no creativity. Yeah. They can't play slow. They haven't got the players that can break down that can break down the team. They just can't do it. Um, people someone might come out and say Bruno, but the moment Bruno doesn't get what he wants after 15 seconds, then the toys come out. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll kick the ball everywhere, he'll try something, it yeah. doesn't come off, then he'll throw his arms in the air, blaming them. And you don't, so you need patient players, players who are disciplined to play in that manner, to play that way. And United, I think, have definitely got one in Wayne. Mainu, without a shadow of a doubt, he can play that way. Um, Casemiro could play that way. Um, and I think that's the name but two in there at this moment. And someone might come and say Ericsson. I don't want to be disrespectful to Ericsson, but I think Ericsson, now he's got to the point now, I don't think he can play that. I don't think that's his way of playing. And I think he's, he's struggling. Yeah. I think he's going to struggle. I don't know whether that's a club thing. I'm hoping it's a club thing. The way it's worked out, it, it, it isn't. He can't, he can't do or what's expected of him. lost the edge a little bit because of the way the team's declined and he's, he's felt the backlash of that because he needs everyone around him to help him with his best. <clears throat> and he's struggling that way. You look at the wide players, they don't keep the ball. Don't keep the ball at all, the wide players. Um, no self-discipline in their game. Um, they sort of try to, you know, don't use their heads. If it's one in one space behind, you have to do it. Take them on, unless you see a better alternative. Someone's made a really good run. But if it's two on one to get their head up and to pass and move and don't do it, none of the three do it. And, none of the, and just to change it slightly, none of those three players, the three wide players, would get in another team in the top eight yeah. of the Premier League. You know, that's where they are at this moment in time. They wouldn't do it. I'm saying top eight, but then I'm as well. It's Crystal Palace with their ones. Crystal Palace have got better wide players than Manchester United. But people go, oh, Jordan Ayew. I'll tell you what, you get more from Jordan Ayew than what you do from any Manchester United wide player. Because he's yeah. clever in what he does. So, United can't play a possession-based game because they haven't got enough players with the self-discipline to play in that manner and the yeah. creativity for someone to make something happen. And, and, that, and the, well, let's, put it, let's put it all into one pot. Too many selfish players at Manchester United at, at this given time. Players would have been better off playing tennis, golf or golf fishing. They'd be on their own and do what they want. Um, yeah, it's Cantona's famous quote. He always used to say, I think he said that um, after the 94 Cup final, which is second most famous um, quote after the FA Cup final. Yours, you know, said, I think I'll go and have a 
a few pints, of course. You must have seen that video so many times. I, I love it. It does, it does pop up quite a few times, and so many people just saying they're laughing. They said to me, why did you say that for? And I kind of said, well, that was me. That's the, that was that time. Is that all of us were there. What, what did we do when we got in the dressing room after we, after we won? We sprung open a can of beer. Yeah. Because we just wanted, you know, for me to play my first cup final and win as well, it was something that all that running around the back garden and wanting to be somebody, yeah. you know, at 10 past five after a Saturday, it all, it all came into fruition. It was, it was a life thing and everyone was the same. It was just the fact of no one else has said it before me. So thank God for that because God knows where I would have gone. <laughs> Uh, but you know what, you should have had a few pints after that one because that was the club's. Um, people keep forgetting this. I'll, I'll not for. I'll not allow people to forget it. Thirty years ago this year, thirty years ago this year, hmm. um, where United won. Let's remind everyone they won for the first time ever two trophies in the first season. Um, incredible team, incredible achievement. That over this seat, rest of the season, I'll. Um, drip feed a little bit more into that, especially if United keep in the cup because you want to watch a Manchester United team play good football, you want to watch a Manchester United team play like a Manchester United team, watch all the highlights of that team in that cup run. That's everything that a United team should be um, every time, every single time they step onto the pitch. Uh, one question before we talk about this season's cup run, Johnny Crowther from Twitter, um, X, sorry, sorry, X. He says, question for Paul, one of our best ever right-backs. Um, nicely greased for you there. Not Mr. Paul, but um, I think ni nice enough to allow it in. Um, are either Wan-Bissaka or Dallow the long-term solution? If we're not going to go out, if it's not, I don't think it makes sense to go outside and just to go and get a right-back. Because we're talking by margins. But if there was a right-back, you'd go and get would liven things up and you put him in the right team, you put him in with good people around him because he's very, very honest. There's Walker Peters at Southampton. Okay. And you can go and get him because he can play in the final third, he can play in tight areas in opponents' boxes as well. You go to Southampton and you speak to any Southampton fan, you say, who's Southampton who's Southampton's best player? I'll tell you what, if you go to ten of them, eight of them will say Walker Peters. Really? Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, every time I see him play, what fullback? Yeah. Um, Everything about him reminds me he's got my kind of stature. The thing where he is, he's very tenacious, he moves around. But he's so much, so much better than me with the football that he's beaten me up on this pitch. So no, not having that. Um, yeah. Anyone who watched you play saw that goal against Reading and uh, that you <laughs> I'm going to do it. I've got to answer that question just quickly. I would go one for Saka because he's, he seems to be, he's taken a step forward. He stepped forwards yeah. because he listens. Defensively, very rarely does get, he get beat, but there was one game, not in the first game, he allowed the wide player. I think he got a little bit, made it too easy for him to go down the outside. And one for Saka lost the foot race and he allowed the ball to go into the box. But he didn't work it hard enough. But we know that's there in his game already. The bit where he's really worked is the fact of you get him in that opponent's bit and on that right end. He's really improved in going forward. He's definitely more comfortable with the ball in his feet in tight areas. 
Yeah. Claim he's putting people in. He's making different kind of runs into the box to get yeah. better, difficult, more prominent um, crossing positions. He's a player who has stepped forward when he was when he was under the microscope. He could have actually been one of those players who everyone talked about in the same breath as maybe a Maguire in that sense, and maybe the wrong people, the Martials. But he didn't. He didn't get involved in that. He, done, he just listened, learned, and got himself back in. Now he needs to play regularly. He needs games. I think Dallo's done well. Dallo's got two million stakes in him. He's going to go and strike a ball well and maybe score some incredible goals from distance. But I don't think he can rely on him defensively because he has too many lapses. Yeah. Yeah. No. Good. Um, I agree completely. Um, as I would. Obviously, you know what you're talking about when it comes to playing right backs. But Wan Bissaka has um, you. We are fair on this podcast, and like we'll look at a player and say, "Oh, that's that player. I'm not sure about their direction." We've done it with Lindelof, you know. Wrote him off and congratulated him coming back in. Um, Johnny says, "Wan Bissaka, brilliant one on one. Just loses focus now again. Need, need to leave it alongside him yet. <laughs> so many players in the team." Um, in terms of needing a leader, um, and the team itself needs one. Um, okay, so Wigan tonight, the very nicely convenient time of eight fifteen pm, uh, which is, I mean, Wigan's local to Manchester, and that kickoff time makes it difficult for local fans to get the train back. How can you schedule a, a kickoff time between Wigan and Manchester United that's so inconvenient to, to fans that it makes them difficult to get back do you know it's mad um anyway i'm not going so it's not affecting me i watch it on um, tv with some fantastic <laughs> I'm, I'm sure joey barton will be on there giving us all the benefit of his, his wisdom i'm not going to talk about him um good grief um yeah but wigan tonight obviously um their manager sean maloney paul was the scorer of the goal the last time Wigan beat Manchester United in 2012, which if anyone listening to this or watching this needs reminding, and was a defeat that cost United the title really that season. This season, they they don't look like they're going to move anywhere apart from um, the middle of League One. They have an eight-point deduction at the start of the season, which is... Um, it has got them in the lower part of the season, but they have this uh, table, but they do look like they've pushed away from the relegation threat. Um, they're fairly good at home, still not perfect at home, and uh, fairly poor away. They've won at Exeter, they've won at York in the cup run so far without conceding a goal. But you really, I mean, I don't want to count my chickens with United, um, especially because they'll be looking at United's trips, well, trip to Forest, which is a great... Um, Philip for them a great sort of thing for them to to learn from that you know United they only have to give them I mean they they can make it difficult for United from the off they can make it um, a trip that they don't want to have and if United don't settle they generally don't really find their way into a game um, it, they don't want to be giving United the platform to to play football in the the early stages, uh, but then again, Wigan hasn't really been a fortress in the way that Sean Maloney would have. He, he want you know if you're a home team wanting a, a a team to come a Premier League to, team to come, you want your home ground to be kind of a fortress, and it hasn't really been that. Um, yeah. So, um, what what do you make of what's going to happen tonight? Well, they're going to have a sellout. 
the first set out for quite a while. Um, all their players are going to be lifted without even trying. He hasn't got to say anything, the manager. His, his biggest problem is that he's going to have maybe a few disappointed players who actually wanted to start because they're thinking about making history. And yeah. he's going to be, but he's going to be believing that there's going to be a few Manchester United players. And as Gibbs White says, well, I'm going to want to be there. Yeah. Um, he's got to start with as many players the players who he knows have been in this situation before. So he would have a mainland player. He's played in a, maybe played against Wigan and their lights, a lot of his youth football. Yeah. Been in those games, knowing what he got from those players and those youth players playing against Manchester. He want Johnny Evans to be playing. You need Johnny Evans because he's going to get the ugly a few times and they're all, they'll be looking to get the ball in the box, especially with a goalkeeper. As often as possible, and you're going to need someone like Johnny Evans just to lead everyone else. Yeah. It's, it's, as simple, it's as simple as that. You're going to want to wave the sacker, you know, with his defending skills, because it's going to be a little bit touch and go sometimes. You'd expect that, regardless if you're playing good, bad, or indifferent, being a Manchester United going to a Wigan. And then, because hopefully, there's enough in midfield that they can. Have a fight, as the saying used to be before, and even Sir Alex used to say it. You have to win the battle before you can win the war. No one's going to respect you. No one's going to give you time at the ball. Um, I will say to Fernandez as well. He's got to remember he's up against players. These players are actually playing to pay a mortgage, to maybe, you know, hoping to earn appearance money, hoping to win a game. That might maybe pay off a car when they've been a little bit over extravagant because they want a nice car. So it's their yeah. life, their players, yeah. these players. So every time he gets tackled, it's not a foul. People are a little bit hungry, being a little bit, a little bit overzealous because they because they've got a passion and a drive to win a game of football, especially against Manchester United. And I think if the manager can get that across to them, or maybe let Steve McLaren earn a bit of money. Or earn the right to be earning what he's earning and actually speak to the players because he's managed, he's been around that division, he played in that division regularly for Hull City. So we should be able to put across to some of these players who don't understand it what it is, what it means to those players and for them to understand it. When the fans know it, especially the fans, you know, there's enough United fans in that, on that side as well. Um, so I'm just hoping there's not another embarrassment to be perfectly honest. Really hoping because if there is, this could be it could be it for the manager because the media will try their best to get in the sack. Yeah. As they have been trying for a long, long time. They keep doing it because they want to start again talking about Manchester United from post Gergi. They want to do that story all through again. So they're desperate for ten and a half to go. So um so it'd be interesting. It'd be, it's going to be interesting. I don't really want to watch it, Wayne, to be perfectly honest. I really, really don't. Are you going to? I've got to. I've got to watch it because just in the fact of at some point I'm going to be kind of have to talk last my opinion about it. So I don't I try not to miss any Manchester United games if I'm not working on them. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's punishing. It's pun I can watch it and I can switch off. That's the difference. I was at West Ham. And I wanted to switch off there, but you can't. 
you can't switch off a big stadium, can you, when you're sitting inside of it? But, um, but the West Ham one is quite interesting, is that, just going back to it slightly, Wayne, is that you talked about the performance here and about how poor both teams were. It was the worst first half I've ever sat through in that stadium. And that yeah. was followed up by the worst 90 minutes when they played Brighton just recently. But I was sitting and I was working on that game. And, and after last season, when I, I always go there, because as you know, I know a lot of people there. It's my local team. And I see all my old school friends. I see everybody there. And I'm walking through and I could feel when I'm walking through. Last season was easier because United got beat, but it was, there was more about it. Yeah. And they got beat, and there was always a little sarky comment as I'm walking through, you know, all the little bits about, you know, me, get, me, be, me being a, a plastic cockney, everything like that coming through. I'm walking through, and I could see everyone was staring at me, was looking at me as I'm going down the escalators down. And, and they were looking at me, but I, felt, I think they felt sorry for me. Around. That's, that's what it was. It was like I walked in to see friends in one of the lounges, and I walk in through, I could see people look at me. Normally, people would say something to me. People didn't say anything to me because, as much as anything, and they've got that adage, haven't they, about what they say about United, love and hate them, or whatever, you know. But I could see people, and everyone was, I think they were a little bit disillusioned. They couldn't believe what they saw. They were. A lot of people, I think, were in a way with mere devastation. Yes, great. They were absolutely so proud of their team to win, to beat Manchester United after after what they've achieved and in recent in the games before. But they was a little bit couldn't believe what they're seeing. They saw a United side with no fight. Yeah. There was no malice between the fans, and they've yeah. got a bit of West Ham that are right next to the away supporters, and all they do. Stand up all game, just abusing the United fans in the lower tier and the upper tier, and it wasn't anything because the players never gave anything. They didn't get, they didn't. There were no kicking out, big tackles, nothing at all. Went down to a whimper. Now I'm hoping that doesn't happen in this game. As much as it's a bit like that kind of shape as what West Ham is, it hasn't got the running track around it at all. But it's reasonably open inside that stadium in a certain way, I think, and if I can remember it rightly. But the fans are not right on top of you. But yeah. least there's a lot of new fans will come in after with them. Sean Maloney knows it's going to be a full house. It's hoping some of his players don't get, get stage fright. But a lot of these players, this is their, this is where they could sell themselves. Yeah. They go and do something for that net for maybe a big move for them. Or, yeah. or, con- or to do something for a contract at the end of the season. So I hope they go there with their eyes wide open to what they're going into. Because given United's form of late, they mostly believe that they can go and do something. The league position doesn't come into it. Yeah. Wigan, where they are, they don't care. They, this is a one-off, and the manager team talk is going to be more about calming them down. Not to go and do anything silly. Don't go and make a rush, a rash challenge and get yourself booked or maybe sent off. Do not go out there thinking you could win it and then get caught out on the counter. Then you're chasing. It's about calming them down, people. Because that's going to that is going to be the problem. Because of what yeah. United have been doing of late, a lot of them will be believe will be believing that they can win the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we'll both be watching it then. Um, and you better watch it because I'm going to quiz you about it like next week. Um, okay. So don't fall asleep before 10 o'clock. 
Um, which you never, fall, you never fall asleep watching horror shows, do you? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a great point. Uh, but yeah, I think, but we're, it does feel like we're stuck in that perennial cycle of will these players, when will the penny drop? What it means to represent Manchester United and um, the penny. There've been so many times when the penny should have dropped over all of these years where they've seen what it means to teams to beat Manchester United. But like you said, now for for West Ham, like they beat us so comfortably that um doesn't have the same kind of feeling anymore. Um for Wigan it will. It will. Um if they do. And I think the thing that tells us most about Manchester United at the moment is that we're not going there. Um we're going there expecting that you'll play the strongest side and still not one hundred percent confident that we'll see either a win or a good performance. But we'll be back next week to talk about them and the Spurs game as well. Not previewing that today, but um, you don't know what you're going to get after one game to the next, so it makes no sense previewing one before we've seen United play at Wigan. Hopefully Dave will be back next week, maybe not. I think, um, I don't know, I'll talk to him about it. Um, but we will be back, Paul and I will be back to talk about United's games against Wigan and Spurs. Until then... <coughs> For watching thanks for listening if you enjoyed the podcast if you can give us um a nice review on uh, apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're, you're listening on or if you can drop a comment below we reply to all comments after the show as well um so yeah thanks for listening thanks for watching stay safe and stay well guys take care the talk sport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year as football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.